Capcom looks to be changing their storytelling policy when it comes to the Street Fighter franchise and might be setting up for something major in Street Fighter VI. The CPT event in Japan played out over the weekend, and we saw a very small use of V-Shift, but a very big change in the pacing of matches. And then finally, we have the biggest Rose fan in the world talking about Rose here on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Green. With me, as always, is John Velociraptor Guerrero. I don't know what to do with my hands. I, uh, uh, I, I'm just. This is. It's. We're on video. We are finally yes. on video. Um, it, it's super simple looking, I think, right now. But uh, just let me let you guys know. There's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Mostly tears going into <laughs> putting this all together. Uh, to those of you that do regular uh, streaming content and video content, I have an all new appreciation for what you do. Thanks for that. And um, yeah. and so here we are. Yeah, people have got to stare at my ugly mug now if they want to watch YouTube. Now we do have audio versions so that people do not have to look at my ugly face. I get that. Uh, I, I've seen many times that people want to punch my face. If you see me in person now, please don't do that. I don't like getting punched in the face unless it's in the game. Uh, but I do want to explain here what, what we have going on. Um, uh, we're excited about our new show, Moving to Video. We've worked very hard on this, uh, particularly John. This is a lot of his work in here. Uh, thank you so much for this, John. Like, I'm, I'm stoked as can be. Uh, but we've got a fighting game layout. Uh, John and I here are facing each other, relatively speaking, like in a fighting game. You know, we're ready to duke it out. Um, and uh, we've also got our uh, handy like comeback mechanic meters. I'm trying to, to do this in front of the camera here as best I can. Um, and, of course, we're going to have some footage here up in the middle hopefully i'm pointing right to it uh every now and again when we do this and uh but the bottom line here is we wanted a fighting game layout we wanted this to look like a fighting game so that people when they, they tune into it, it's like they're at home they feel at home here this is event hubs this is what we are we do fighting games uh, oh yeah and I, I forgot to explain there's like that the timer here the timer meter um uh that the topic you know instead of like the timer at the very top you have the topic meter yeah you know, or the top uh, topic thing whatever it is well, that's it so yes <laughs> now, now i know you guys didn't realize it before but we're not actually at the suzaku castle we're green screened yes <laughs> uh, as as uh, i'm sure all of john's movements um and such have very very much uh, highlighted but yeah. you know um, this, this is actually the first time i've really delved into all this it's not going to be perfect on that front either we're having fun with it we're working with like i have a pretty small space to do it in and such too so we're figuring that kind of stuff out too so forgive us for the little uh you know rough edges and whatnot but hopefully yeah like what john was saying we're trying to uh to bring you something that people haven't really seen here yet in a podcast set up like this with the video and such um hopefully it's uh hopefully it's fun for you i think it's fun yeah. i'm having fun already yeah, there we go. The, the, and the show's look is going to evolve over time. Uh, we're starting off here. We're going to have some new uh, bells and whistles over time. Maybe John and I will be spending our comeback mechanics on each other. And when I when I go off on one of my tangents, which I, I'm prone to do, uh, um, you guys will see my comeback mechanic meter going crazy or whatever and stuff. So um, uh, we're going to have some fun with this. Uh, hopefully you guys have fun with us. But, but speaking of fun, John, let's get right into it. Street Fighter VI may have been teased in Rose's story mode, like legitimately teased in there. Like, and, and so let me, let me, uh, before mm -hmm. we get into this, I, I have to ask you, um, almost everyone on our staff like saw this and immediately said, this seems like a gigantic hint towards Street Fighter VI. What do you think it is like off the top of your head? 
Yeah. Uh, so, hmm. The uh, the story modes for Street Fighter V have really ranged around a good bit in terms of like how interesting they are and and if they matter or not. And actually, if you go back, Street Fighter stories in general are are pretty vague. Um, and sometimes they're super intriguing and like crucial. And it's like Sagat got his scar from Ryu and all that stuff. Um, and, and then sometimes they have multiple uh, uh, different tellings of them and different significances and they retcon stuff. And so Street Fighter story has never been uh, all that like held together, but it has been intriguing. And they, uh, you know, because it's a fighting game, they often branch out in a whole bunch of different parallel directions where like, if this character won, this is what happens. But if this character won, this is what happens. And if this character, but then, uh, you know, there's only one canonical forward moving, you know, theme or story and such, and they don't necessarily clarify that all the time. Anyways, it's crazy. Uh, and then in Street Fighter V, everything, and the, de the, the developers have said this, everything is in the same universe on the same timeline. They're not interrupting each other with alternate timelines and such. Now, some of those are, you know, things like Abigail farting a whole bunch. I don't know what super mm -hmm. deep meaning or, you know, setup that is. But Roses is incredibly intriguing. Um, and it, I guess, the, generally speaking, it is a Terminator-like time travel sort of setup where Rose sees some kind of catastrophic event that cannot be changed and gets to the conclusion that she's going to have to go back in time to change it and go back to, was it Zero or to Alpha? Basically zip back to the, uh, the yeah. Alpha days um, on the timeline to, to fix it. And it doesn't have to do with Bison. It doesn't have to do with Nikali, who was super set up to be this, uh, this game's big boss and, and big threat. It has to do with G whom we know is a boss character, but only in quotation marks. He hasn't had too much in his story and development. He's just been mysteriously benevolent, but with that sort of underlying, like there's an extra layer to this that we all need to kind of be aware of. Apparently he's the big bad guy who's causing this catastrophic event. Rose is gonna have to go back in time. Um, and now maybe that's the last little bit of Street Fighter V that we have here because we all know that the game's coming to a close. This current season was probably not originally scheduled, but probably in Street Fighter VI territory um, in terms of when Capcom expected to be uh, to rolling out the new game. But here we are, we have an extra season. Um, a big change this drastic seems like it's definitely going to flow into the next Street Fighter game where the the story continues and evolves. And um, so the the setups here, the, the implications are going from Abigail farts a whole bunch, haha, funny, to uh, this altered sort of timeline where everything's together and they're setting up for the next game is a whole new approach to storytelling from Capcom that uh, is, is, if I might say so, like, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's great yeah. because they've been so disjointed in the past and, you know, NRS sets a bar and actually does this almost sort of exact sort of thing back in uh, Mortal Kombat 9, which just celebrated its 10th birthday, by the way, and where they go back to the beginning of things and they sort of change time. Now, um, is, is Street Fighter sort of stealing from that? It sounds me, like it, but... Yeah, let me set this up for our, our, uh, our audience out there. Um, so as you mentioned, Bison is basically destroyed in the Street Fighter V plotline. And uh, he's been destroyed a bunch in the past, and he always comes back with a new body. If, if he's in the game at some point, that's going to be no shock. But as you mentioned, this is mostly based around Gil, and, or uh, I think Gil anyway, because that's where the plotline heads, right? Um, mm -hmm. Gil is like the new... 
messiah type figure and he wants to unite the best fighters on the planet or kind of do whatever with it right yeah um, and steal dudley's car but also there that, you yeah. go <laughs> yeah and elena wants new friends from the See, that's, but it proves our point. You know, yeah. some of these stories are like not like the others. So, uh, Anyway, so um, Rose fills some kind of other energy or problem and Oro fills it as well. And Rose and Oro are two of the most powerful characters in Street Fighter lore. Uh, Rose is like the equivalent of Bison power and then Oro is like the most powerful thing ever or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the power is not necessarily evil. It's just overwhelming in its nature. And that actually um, is a, a cue, uh, I, I should say a clue towards Gil because Gil's not necessarily evil. He's just kind of like a benevolent, very all-powerful kind of like angel type thing, right? Um, uh, who who wouldn't mind like doing a Thanos sort of wiping away of half the population if it's if if there's more to be gained in the uh, the overall in the future? But that's where you kind of get into like you can kind of put him as a bad guy once he starts doing stuff like that. So yeah. that's the kind of good guy that he is. Yeah, there you go. And so um, Rose goes and challenges G, and then she defeats him and says, okay, this is going to lead to the end of the universe and the Earth and all that other kind of stuff. Um, And then Rose and Manat always constantly refer to G as the fool. Um, And that card actually in tarot cards means beginnings, innocence, um, spontaneity, and a free spirit. And it's kind of interesting because this isn't a card for someone who's well grounded and aware of everything going on. And that actually matches up really well with G he's super arrogant and he's all about, you know, earthlings and everyone uniting under him. And, uh, some parables are going to get me in trouble if I go much further, but regardless, G is very interesting, right? Um, so who's behind G and who's using him is kind of up for debate because it's very clear that it's not G necessarily himself, but kind of the person behind empowering him, according to Rose's story mode. You, you have a so question on that. I, yeah. I did not, yeah, because oh, you can tell because you can see I my a video, face. man. Yeah. <laughs> Leveling I got up, you right baby. in front of me. Ten points. So, uh, yeah, I didn't, I had not garnered that, that it felt like G was a puppet, but maybe I missed something there. Can Do you, off the top of your head, remember? Remember the detail that, that made you think that? Okay, well, well, Q is one of the boss characters of Street Fighter 3 and is Q basically manipulating G or did he train him or do we, did he do whatever and kind of set him up as like the, a puppet to maybe distract from Gil or to do something like that? Because we know where the plot line is going and it doesn't have anything to do with G. It has everything to do with Gil. Everyone is tied to Gil as the plot line goes on. And so you would ultimately have to think that that. I don't think Gil's a puppet. He's too damn powerful. He's too amazing to be a puppet. Like, but G makes sense as like a puppet, maybe from Gil or someone else, uh, maybe Q, something like that. But basically, it's set up because when you have the full card and, and, and tarot cards, there's some meaning to it. And and Rosa Minot, like their their um their diagnosis or their prophecies, whatever the hell it is, they're they're not always dead on, but they have some truth to them. And so there's some reason there that that G is set up as the full, even though he's maybe not readily apparent for it okay so then street fighter 5 story uh where it exists right now without the time travel aspect of it that that, that's coming um is still set before uh street fighter 4 and before street fighter 3 correct i'm sorry what was street fighter 5 on the overall timeline is before street fighter 4 and before street fighter 3 correct i think it's after street fighter 4 but before street fighter 3 Okay, yeah, it's, it's weird, yeah. Uh, the, the only... I didn't, I didn't even need to bring up Street Fighter 4 there. My, my point was Street Fighter 3 comes after it because it's the latest on the yes. timeline that we have so far. And there's, you know, a whole story there with Gil being the, the bad guy or, well, the, the final boss and such and Bison's gone and whatnot. Um, now, if we're going back in time now, though, 
and there's all of this hullabaloo with G and such, and, and, and you're right in that, like, well, when we get to Street Fighter 3, Gil is the only one in the picture, and he's the big baddie, and G's nowhere to be found. Um, do you think that they're going to try to connect the dots from where we are there, or do you think they're kind of going to scrub what happened in Street Fighter 3 because now we're going back and then like hopping over to a different timeline and then once we get you know chronologically to when street fighter 3 was going to happen it's this whole other story or yeah. do you think that they went back in time and then what happens in street fighter 3 is just on that timeline and it's oh my gosh this is why are we trying to do john, this capcom storytelling i've gone cross john the answer to all of your questions is yes the answer lies it's, in the heart of battle. I think no, you just need I, to stop thinking about it and start fighting because otherwise you go crazy. They're going to do all that stuff because, okay, so what, what happens is basically if this timeline continues as is, this is, you know, we're on the official timeline. We haven't branched out into the Zelda Mortal Kombat timeline yet. That has not happened yet. It's coming, right? Uh, at least according to this. And we'll probably get more with Oro story mode as well. But, um... We know that the, the Gil timeline leads to absolute destruction. That's basically what Rose is, um, is confirming there. So how much of that they're going to go into in the next game, they probably have to at some point because of, um, you know, they are. we assume it's going to be a new game. Uh, we assume it's going to be Street Fighter Six. It's what we've heard. It could be Street Fighter Alpha 4. It could be a, a new story mode for Street Fighter Five. but we don't believe they're going to keep updating this game. We, we don't believe that's going to be the case. So mm -hmm. anyway, you kind of have to see how, uh, you know, the, the Armageddon, the Judgment Day, whatever and stuff like that comes down uh, and, and how the impending doom happens to some degree are you lose the weight of it. So hopefully Capcom as storytellers realizes they need to have like the destruction of everything, whatever that means. And then Rose will branch off and Marty McFly off into, you know, the 1960s and, you know, do all her, her stuff and whatnot. It's like Rose so. has to go to one time and then, you know, Ryu has to go to another and Tony Stark goes to a third. And if they all complete their respective tasks, then they can, you know, this, the time travel is stupid by the way, I, I've, I've come to this conclusion in more recent times. I've grown up with a bunch of time travel stuff, right? And, and Back to the Future and Terminator and all that kind of stuff. Hot Tub Time Machine being the, the, the best of all of those. But like, Over Back man, to the Future? Yeah. Easily. Oh. Hot Tub Time Machine? No, I'm, I'm being facetious. You should be able oh. to tell that by the video feed. Uh, no, dude, dude. Uh, well, Hot Tub Time Machine is really underrated, but I let's get back it's, on subject it's anyway. Pretty good it's really the underrated. With the guy yeah. getting his arm cut off, it, it, oh, you need to go check out Hot Tub Time Machine, guys. Chris Glover is in both movies, so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, oh, yeah, it is, huh? <laughs> Anyways, uh, of Georgia the Jungle fame. Anyways, uh, so, so the, the whole thing is just, it's silly, and um, it doesn't make sense if you dig into it too far. I I don't think there is a way to make it make sense with human brains because if you go one way of time travel then you have these problems if you go this other way then you have these problems is it all in one big timeline or are there many ones and then yada yada and it, it, it doesn't compute as far as we can tell you know so you have to tell the story to a certain extent and then say okay no more questions here it is and yeah. and it's like you know they did that with with like terminator right where mm -hmm. i mean people that dig into it go yeah it obviously doesn't make sense but we were contained you know in this segment of it and entertained by it and it achieved its purposes for storytelling so fine fair enough but man if you're giving this this storytelling device that doesn't actually work to, to a development company like Capcom, I'm sorry, to storytellers like Capcom, that's a recipe for utter chaos that could bring about the end of the world. We're gonna have to go back in time before Capcom got their idea to go back in time and stop Capcom from going back in time. <laughs> okay, so my, my counterpoint to that is they clearly have good single 
content people working there, single player content, because of Resident Evil. Resident Evil generally has a really good single player thing going on. Uh, I know the Devil May Cry games are well respected for that as well. They have the talent to pull this off, and especially with uh, Ryozo um, uh, Sujimoto, um, uh, he's very high up there on the ladder. Uh, he runs the fighting game department now. They have the proper people in place to do a good job if they put the proper resources in. And then it's Capcom, too. If they don't have the proper people there, they'll hire an outside company to go in and do that for them. Uh, they did it with aiding um, with uh, Ultimate Marvel 3. They had a bunch of internal staff, but they also needed to outsource some of the stuff here, and they did a great job with it. Now, that wasn't, you know, the um, uh, that was like, the, you know, the gameplay engine, all that kind of stuff. Same thing with Dimps and Street Fighter 4, and I think Street Fighter 5. They will outsource to other people that can do a great job with this. I mean, you know, find, I, I mean, NRS's people like, you know, but maybe on speed dial or something like that. I mean, I don't know, you know, but, but I did want to mention that, um, I love that you brought up the Terminator games and our Terminator movies, I should say, in terms of, I think they were is, games first and then they made movies. Off yeah. of them later. <laughs> well, but, um, uh, the, the right and the wrong way of doing things, basically, right? Mm -hmm. And in Terminator 1 and 2, they do time travel, they do all that stuff. It works. It works great. And then after that, they tried to do so much of it, it fell to pieces. And I think that's kind of actually what's happened with the NRS stuff, where it's it's so convoluted now and so hard to find, but uh, figure out what's going on. But with the first one, Mortal Kombat 9, and then maybe Mortal Kombat 10, it was it was pretty cohesive. It was pretty decent, and then it just like got bat crap crazy, right? Uh, um, you should you should clarify so that you don't get pitchforks and uh, torches that Mortal Kombat 10's story was not necessarily very good, but maybe they did a good job of, job of time travel in it. Uh, or unless you uh, think I mean, Mortal it's... Kombat 10's story was good, and then. Uh, <laughs> He's John without the H. Don't confuse us. <laughs> I think I think it was mixed more so, um, but I know I guess nine was really well received. So, mm -hmm. but anyway, it's you could do so much time travel and and going real quick back to Back to the Future. Um, uh, Marty McFly and Doc Brown talking to each other and having interactions is the whole point of the thing. Like them, their chemistry, the way they play off each other, that mm -hmm. is the huge basis of the entire movie, their friendship, their companionship. It's not about time travel. The time travel is a vehicle um, to kind of get them to where they need to go. And that's fine. But you want to have those epic storytelling moments. You want to have those real character driven moments that make you care about these characters. Like mm -hmm. you could do something with Blanca that makes me not think he's like the biggest shenanigans BS character out there. If you had a really heartwarming story, which he already has and you did it well. If mm -hmm. you got really good actors to go in there and do it, and those voice actors exist, we know this stuff. There's so many iconic moments in Street Fighter that are just ripe for the the, the picking. Like I, I did a whole article about this, do a greatest hits version, and, and I think that's what Capcom's doing with the time travel. So there's a ton of opportunity to do this really well, and having no faith in Capcom to do that, maybe that's fair. Maybe. Well, you know, okay. I, so <laughs> I, I did talk my smack about time travel and Capcom's history and the two coming together is a little bit scary for me, but there's a bigger thing at play here that I got to point out. And that is, you know, Capcom is paying more attention and trying to, um, they, they're sort of updating. Capcom is, especially in recent years, we've seen how sort of uh, slow to get with the times they can be. And, uh, and relying on older kind of waves and staying a little bit too conservative, not updating, they're doing this. And we, we talk a lot about how now that they're communicating with people, that's awesome. They're paying a, a different and, and closer attention to the storyline of their games now, it seems. And, and like they're setting something up in Street Fighter V potentially to spill over into Street Fighter VI. 
these moves in and of themselves are awesome to see and I'm really happy to see it and uh, it shows an upward trend that I'm like yes please continue to do these kinds of things more so yeah I have to start with some smack talk about it and yeah I have my doubts about how they're going about it and I'm always gonna you know throw some shade on Capcom because uh, well, they've done some stupid stuff as we all have yeah. But I do think that this is evidence that the uh, that at least the the Street Fighter division, the creators of Street Fighter, um, and those around them are leveling up, getting with the times, and doing things that their fans ultimately want them to do, and uh, and that's a really good look because yeah. they can they can use some some more charisma from where they sort of started with SF5 and Marvel Infinite, and they've definitely been uh, you know building it up since hmm, maybe a year or so ago. Yeah, and I think that when it comes to Street Fighter Six, we'll probably have an announcement at this year's Capcom Cup, uh, and then we're either going to have six months, I think, to a year of promotion for it. So um, I don't think that Street Fighter Five has got a huge lifespan in front of it. Uh, kind of enjoy the game where it's at right now, mm-hmm. uh, because we've got a brand new thing, and we're going to have a bunch of broken characters and terrible balance. If you guys remember season one of Street Fighter Five, well, it's coming back here. Uh, so that's what Street Fighter Six is going to be like, but a bunch of fresh blood, a bunch of new opportunities to right the wrongs of Street Fighter V. So mm-hmm. um, so enjoy the game for what it is. Uh, obviously, I'm enjoying it quite a bit because Rose is out now. Uh, I know we're going to get into that. But, um, uh, John, like, where are you at right now with the game? Like, Do you want to get into V-Shift? Do you want to talk about CPT? Or do you want to talk about Rose? Um, I wanted to talk... Oh, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the CPT, um, and mm-hmm. that will kind of play into what we're seeing with V-Shift. Uh, specifically... I want to talk about Japan's usage of V-Shift because Japan is uh, revered as one of, if not the strongest areas collectively for uh, fighting games, specifically Street Fighter. Um, you know, that's that's contested in more recent times, but I think pound for pound, if you if you line up the strongest Japanese players, man, that's you could definitely at least make the argument that that's your, uh, your cream of the crop in terms of, of Street Fighter. Uh, right now. And we just had our first CPT event. It was in Japan, so you got the likes of Daigo, Tokido, Itazan, uh, all those those names, Momochi and such. Um, and I we went back and, well, I went back and watched, I think it was seven or eight matches of the, uh, the top eight. And I was trying to see, okay, so Japan has had V-Shift. They've had this new meta. They've had this new version of the game with the balances and such and the bigger hurt boxes on uh, heavy buttons, which I think is a, a bigger deal than we initially thought it was going to be. And how are they playing it? What kind of style? And this is at the top of the top, so it's a little bit different than what you're probably going to see if you just jump into ranked and you're at diamond level or wherever. But this is also, you know, where we like to go when we want to analyze tier lists. You know, at the best of the best. If you play characters optimally, who wins out? Who wins the most? What are the matchups like? So this is pretty much our closest sampling to something like that. And what we found was, um, you know, there wasn't a ton of V-shifting. In fact, uh, I may or may not have a perfect count here, but uh, in the first 69 rounds, which was that first, I think, eight matches, there was a total of eight V-shifts used. By either, and and like, that's not a ton, you know, Mm -hmm. that's that's one every, I don't know, I didn't do the math, but uh, not every round, for sure. And so I I went through and kind of documented how it was used. It was almost never used in the corner. 
Um, usually yeah. to just escape like a setup, like if Colleen throws up some ice hail and it's on your wake up, maybe use it there. And then every once in a while, that was the option to go to in terms of just trying to escape like a, like a Zangief Vortex. Got, uh, Daigo mm -hmm. used it once against Itazan, but so incredibly often, uh, the way that the Japanese players were playing told me that V Trigger is just so much more worth it than V Shift. Not V-Reversal, though. They use V-Reversal a lot more. Not not every hmm. single round, but a lot. So um, I'm not exactly sure where that puts us. I, I think that, um, well, we've talked about V-Shift quite a bit, and, and I guess that's a good little setup to see, well, how does that bounce off of you? What does that make you think and feel? It's player-dependent. Daigo's barely using V-Shift at all right now, and um, but Momochi was using it quite a bit. Uh, I remember that Momochi used it the best throughout the tournament. I think Momochi got third? something like that i'm trying to remember off the top of my head but mm. uh, i'll look it up here in the background but um he used it to... uh he used it let's see twice in his match against fudo and then he didn't use it at all in his match against uh john takuchi okay yeah um uh how about like against uh like kawano and uh um tokido I thought Didn't, he used it quite a bit there. Yeah, he might so. have. I didn't get that far with uh, the Momochi. But in Tokido, I did not see Tokido use it a single time in the uh, the two matches of his that I saw. Yeah. Using yeah. a three-bar V-Trigger character, like, it's... I think V-Shift is quite a bit more of a risk, but if you do have a two-bar V-Trigger character, I think it's a little bit more acceptable uh, to use V-Shift. Mm. Um, and it, I think Japan is probably, like, the, the country I'm seeing least consistently use V-Shift well right now um and momochi i think was one exception to it uh, i think other people are using it decently but i don't think they've quite figured it out and it, it's it seems harder for the players that i'm seeing them play consistently to get away from the old way of doing things and embrace the new way because the new way i mean again it's it's capcom's designers out there that are doing this stuff and they've built so much of the game around it they're heavy believers in it there's a history of capcom not getting some of that stuff right but for the most part they get it right they do a really good job yeah. Now, you know, that seems to, the way we've had things set up, right, and it's like, well, V-Shift is sort of something of an answer or a counterweight, if you will, to the offense that a lot of the V-Triggers presented and that w was very problematic in the past. Now, even though we didn't see a ton of V-Shift used in the sample that I took here, uh, and, and like you're saying, Japan's not using it as much, the rounds are going way longer. And yep. yes, V-triggers are still a huge, very important part of the match, but we're seeing so much more in the way of footsies. Like, people are just dancing around, and, and for like 20 seconds, there will be n like no contact. It'll just be, you know, footsie play and, and trying to whiff punish. A lot of buttons just seeing to, to, that are just put out there to check forward advantages or to check whiffs, you know, that may or may not happen. But that's the sort of pacing and style this game is, is, is at now. And I know that I've seen in my own matches, especially against Dream King, our rounds are going way longer, sometimes down to the wire. And it's like, uh, and, and, and like I was saying here, rounds are getting down to the wire there. They're going down in 20 seconds or so. And it's a much slower paced match where there's a lot more going on than just this race to V-Trigger and then explode and you're, someone's dead when the dust settles and you're at like, you know, 70 or 69 seconds. It's actually almost always 69 seconds. I know it's a funny joke, but it's also like, you know, I noticed it. And so that's, it's, it's been helpful because now I'm like, wow, it's going a lot longer than that amount of time. And um, so something has very clearly changed. And I watched on a lot of wake-up situations. The Japanese players are very much aware 
of the potential of V-shift because everyone the and their implication, mother, John, the implication, the implication, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes, uh, everyone and their mother is doing throw okey for for um, as people stand up, and they're not. <laughs> Well, maybe they're not quite ready for it because there's a lot of uh, throws where the V-shift does come out in the in the times that it was used, like because people are throwing so much on people's wake up that when they did V-shift, it was to you know it was an answer to a throw. But a lot of times, and I'm not know if every character can do this, but um, I know like with Zangief, if he throws whips a throw, he's still in range to to SBDU as I understand it. So like you technically can be like setting up to beat a v-shift with a throw okey um and we weren't seeing that very much a lot of the times the v-shift did successfully get people out but that might be the next sort of evolution of studying it is not only to see how to use it but then know exactly how your character can punish other characters when they use it where they use it um whether or not they're like they go different distances or stuff like that i'm not uh, sure off the top of my head but um yeah there was a lot more throw wake up one of the one of the ways of breaking it is um, uh, if you get point blank on someone, um, you don't want to whiff a throw, but basically you, you do a meaty throw right as they're waking up. If they do V-shift, you can often hit them with a crush counter button. Mm -hmm. uh, with Abigail, it was crouching heavy punch, and then with a few other characters, but there was there was the, the OS there. But, I mean, keep in mind, if someone throw techs on you know the, the meaty throw attempt, then they're good. It's basically it's an option select to beat V-shift specifically. But you know the, the way you defeat that is just throw tech on your wake up, and then you tech, and mm -hmm. you're good to go. So... You know, I've I've been assuming that with the V-shift being in place, like you say, the implication has been having a fairly heavy effect on the meta of the game. Mm -hmm. And then that would yeah. that would seem to stand as like, well, that's the biggest new thing that's come into this game and that's affected things. But as I watch it here, and as I play my own games, like I'm aware of V-shift, especially when I'm under pressure, and I've used it a few times, but you know... <laughs> I don't find myself like using it all that much, and I and it, it doesn't seem to be resonating on on quite that level where it would actually be you know like affecting my decision making to the degree that I th that I thought it would. That's not to say it doesn't have an effect, but when I look at some of the other changes that have happened, when Capcom also uh, you know attended to a lot of the problem normals, like I said earlier, a lot of the heavy buttons have. Um, more uh, recovery or bigger hurt boxes on them so that you can whiff punish them and and some of their moves you know some of the V triggers have been tweaked around so that they don't last as long or so that they're not quite as effective not quite as versatile and I think it's all of these different things that have contributed to the change in the meta it, it has to be but I'm starting to lean more toward uh, it, it's more in the realm of these these footsies changes that have had the bigger impact because so much of these rounds we're seeing played by the top level players and so much in the style that I've been playing as of late. Um, and, and I think I talked about it last week a bit with playing like Nikali V Trigger 2 and, or V uh, Skill 2 and how much that slowed down our rounds, the rounds that mm -hmm. I've been playing. Um, yeah. I've, I've really been playing this with Punish game, uh, this footsie game, um, and, and so many rounds end with something like a well-placed low forward. They didn't go into anything. It was just like that was the last hit as opposed to overwhelming offense kind of a thing with a V-trigger rushdown. And, and speaking I'm, of Nikali, um, you always play EXDP characters, and I have never played a character that's had an invincible reversal in this game. Um, I've always played characters that don't have it, and so the the implication of V-shift is much larger for me. Well, now I have Rose with an EX uh, Swole Spiral. Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. it's so... Uh, we'll get into that in a minute, but... Um, 
V-Shift is a bigger deal for me because I've never had an EX Reversal. You have yet to play a character in this game, as far as I know, that does not have an EX Reversal. Uh, Honda would be kind of the one exception to that, but even then, you only played him for it's, a little while. Well, and it's just like, well, I mean, kind of, but you can use that that EX Headbutt um, in semi-EX Reversal ways, and, and, yeah. I, and I will. <laughs> so so I, I think that if you've, you've played characters without an EX Reversal, like like you know a lot of people have, um, I think this is a V-Shift is a bigger deal. You know, and if you've already got that, if you're a Guile player, if you're a Ryu player, if you're whoever, this is not as big of a deal because being able to stop momentum, it's one of the things that Combo Fiend told us back in the day. He's like, look, guys, like, um, if you can stop momentum in this game, it's huge. You mm -hmm. don't, and that's how come they made the whole crush counter punish system on invincible reversals. Uh, shouts to Rose not having that, but um, uh, that is the whole reason they made it. They're like, you don't understand how powerful that is. And, and when you can stop that momentum, it's just huge. And it's like, I get it now, because with V-Shift, I can stop that momentum with, like, where I could with Minot. You know, I, I pretty much stopped playing her very shortly after V-Shift came out with her. But um, uh, How to, often to do you find yourself uh, using V-Shift? I know you haven't been playing in, like, the last two weeks because you've been, like, I guess, letting your muscle memory kind of die down so you'd be ready for Rose. Uh, yeah. But, like, you yeah. know, how often do you think a V-Shift comes into play? Once a round? Twice a round? Once a match? It, it, it depends entirely on the who I'm playing and what kind of style I'm going for. Uh, mm. and, I'm, and my meta is still evolving with it. We talked about it before where it's like, um, is it a good idea? Because in the past we talked about just the moment you get V-Trigger, activate. Don't hesitate, don't think, just put a button on someone and activate because you get a free 50-50 mix-up. Yeah. And then we were talking now where it's like, hey, maybe you want to save that, that V-Shift for when your opponent activates because it gets you out of those 50-50 situations. Not Japan, so, but yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, so there's a there's an interesting point here, and I really I really think that V-Shift is going to take on kind of a life of its own in three to six months, not in terms of like everyone's using it, but everyone's understanding of it has grown so much because I think a lot of people are behind the eight ball and they're like, you know what I'm going to do because I, I, I want to win this tournament. I'm going to play the exact same way I have been before for the most part, but I'm going to add some stuff in there. And you and I have both been high level players. Um, we're, we're pretty decent right now, right? And it's like, if we're trying to win a tournament, we're trying to put in as much old stuff as we can that we know is good and not trying to do a bunch of new stuff. And if you want proof of that, look at how many people, look at how many pros pick up a brand new character versus how many people stick with Cami, Rashid, and others. They want to go the tried and true method because they know that works. Why are you going to add this whole new thing in there that you don't know works and you're not 100% sure about? And I think that's what Japan primarily is doing now if you're someone like europe uh and phenom and, and um uh oh hurricane and a few others and stuff you're seeing v shift way more often and i think when the european cpt comes up people are going to really have their eyes open to how good v shift is and man i wish i wish we were having cross-country play again because i think europe would come in and kick the living balls out of everyone right now i literally think europe is the number one place uh and i i think they're kicking so much butt. And yes it's v-shift i'm that hyped up about v-shift but if you look at what they're doing it's like it's so impressive and no one else is doing it at their level but there it is i'm gonna try to find uh some kind of graphic to to represent living balls for the <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i don't i don't know exactly where to go with that one but uh anyway i'm, I'm hyped up about europe man I, I i love what europe is doing with this game but it, it's again it, it does fit my narrative right a v-shift being good but well anyway. and 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 that's the next or whenever the the european cpt event is that will be when we get that bit of data right and to to put it all together and compile we're just going off of what we've seen so far what we've experienced so far um yeah so 
Oh, and, and I, I should say the, the U.S., West, and East players look to be using V-Chef pretty well, too. Uh, it's not just Europe, but there's some other regions that, that you know, aren't doing it that well. But I do see it in the U.S. quite a bit more, too. Mm-hmm. Well, and it'll only take, like you're kind of getting at there, that one person or two people that really have figured out how to, how to use it and make it look good. And then everyone else will be like, well, if, if it is this... Uh, if it is this powerful, then everyone else will be like, oh, well, there you go. Now I can start doing that. Now I can start adopting it. And then from there, you got people that are, you know, like minds like Javits that, that kind of think the next couple of steps down the the, the line there. And uh, then you're off to the races and it's an evolving thing. Um, I, I, it, I don't know how much it matters right now in terms of like where I'm at with it, but it, it's not... It feels like a fairly minor thing that will be nice for certain situations, but isn't changing uh, the outcomes of a lot of rounds, at least by itself. I think the other factors, the other changes that have happened to this game are the primary changers of of why we're seeing rounds go longer, why we're seeing more footsie play. uh, but, But regardless of why that's happening, I am so glad that it is because this is so much closer to the game that I'm hoping to play when I boot up a Street Fighter game. And um, and for so long, it's just been, well, the old tired race to V-trigger, blow each other up, uh, you know, score a reversal jab in, or an interruption jab in there, and it's just as good as getting a crush counter in certain scenarios. And uh, the, the risk and reward of doing things and the, and the inclination or the, the, the reward that comes with playing a strong footsie game and developing those fundamental tools, which are actually really rewarding to, to pull off in an actual match. Like Street Fighter V, I think uh, I can say conclusively is in its, the best spot it's ever been. It's the most fun that it's ever been. And even with a character that I, I dare say, like Nikali, who doesn't have the greatest... Uh, he, he, he's not set up to be the best character within this particular atmosphere of the way the game runs right now, but I can still play him and I can still rely on outfootsying my opponent to the degree mm-hmm. that it's worth trying to do and I can get wins out of it. And it might be a little harder than if I'm playing someone like Chun-Li or like, <laughs> like Cammy, but, uh, but I'm having fun doing it and, and that's a good sign as, as far as I'm concerned. Do you want to talk about Cammy before or after we talk about Rose? Uh, can I vote no to both? <laughs> Don't not talk about her at all. Uh, frick, I hate Cammy. Let's, let's well, talk about her now because she, okay. she won the CPT. Exactly. And Mago won with her, and it's not September, so obviously Mago is not a very strong player, and if he's winning, he's being carried by Cammy, who's broken. Okay, we're done with Cammy. What do you want to talk about next? Just uh, kidding. <laughs> what do you have to say? Yeah. No, now people can see my, they can see, they can hear my groans in the past. Now they can see my reactions to Cammy when she comes up. Uh, shout outs to Demon Curse uh, in the comments because, uh, man, I love that guy because he's like, he's so universally, Cammy is the best thing that's ever existed, will ever exist, and, and could ever exist. It's just, she's the best thing. She can do no wrong, uh, except for she's the dumbest freaking character in the game. Capcom, what the hell were you thinking when you left her intact? I look. This is nothing on Mago. Mago's a great player. He won CPT events in the past. Uh, this is. It's just. Why do you have a character that stupid, that easy to play, be that good in this game? That is my issue with it. I had issues with Nikali in the past. I have no issue with him now. Nikali is very well balanced. He's actually a fun character, relatively speaking, to play against. Bison, I'm a little less unsure of. Uh, you 
you know, I'm, I'm not sure if Bison's still terrible, but when you and I and, and Dream King have ran sets now, and I play my Bison, it's not the, the BS that it was before. It's still Bison BS, but it's not like, it's not a 12 out of 10. It's like an 8 out of 10. I don't know if that's still too good for what Bison is, because I play him, I know he's easy to play. Um, shouts to 420, because you can go in there and do... Uh, some extracurricular activities and play bison at a super high level and be just fine. Um, so a that's super a super high level. There you go. And uh, <laughs> oh, we're gonna need a graphic up there or something, right? But anyway, um, <clears throat> no, you're not supposed to do that in YouTube. Yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, so, uh, but I digress. Cami is the worst of this right now and she's hands down uh we've had issues with this it's it's any character who's super easy to play should not be inherently that great cami might be one of the best characters in the game uh, she's at least top 10 if you ask me um it, it's some people have her top one uh, i mean i don't know a lot of um, people have her top one they've got yeah. her rashid yurian up there uh, i don't I, I haven't seen the power of rashid uh, firsthand yet I don't disagree. We didn't see much Rashid in the uh, the CPT, yep. did we? Yep. No, yeah. John so. Takauchi, he's he's over to Cody now. Um, yeah. He's now he kept he he busted out Rashid to play against Zangief, which is a really good idea. Uh, Zangief has certain really bad matchups. Like I don't know how Rose is going to do against Zangief, but I think really well. Yeah. Um, but that that might be a matchup that I always kept Minot in my back pocket. And Minot is not a pocket character. She's incredibly hard to play. But mm. that one match is not overly hard to play against Zangief, right? Um, so anyway, um, but that's Rashid and Zangief as well. It's, it's, he, that really favors Rashid. Uh, but anyway, he played Cody besides. So I, I definitely think the luster is off of Co uh, Rashid. And I think some of the, it's some of the legacy feelings that we kind of have towards him. I think that's getting him as high up as he is. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think he's a worse character. Again, if, why would you drop Rashid in the past? John Takauchi had never dropped him before. Why would he, you know, drop him now unless he's worse? So, right. Yeah, and so do you think that Cammy's going to be the uh, the one that we're going back to talking about? You know how we've talked about Akuma's air fireball, Rashid in in, in uh, past seasons being the sore thumb of being way too good and like, hey, this needs attention. Um, two questions: one, is she the one for us this season thus far, as as far as we can tell? And then two, is it to the same degree? Do you think the that like uh, Akuma last season oh, was, yeah. for instance? Yeah. It's the yeah, same no, degree. Um, like she's no, that no, no. It's busted, definitely not. Or, no, okay, it's so definitely it, so not. it's it's yeah. relatively better. Things are cinched up generally. Sure. But maybe Cammy's still like the problem now. And if there's a problem, and and more specifically, it's like there can be a top character in the game. There has to yep. be. But right. should well, one should that character be as easy to play as Cammy? That's I know your your argument there, and I don't disagree with you. And then like uh, two. Uh, I actually disagree fundamentally because it's something Combo Fiend told us. He said, uh, and again, Combo Fiend was a, a very big battle designer at Capcom. He helped out a lot with the, the production of the games. I, I don't think his official title was battle designer, but he did a lot of work with the gameplay. That's a way of saying it, mm -hmm. right? Um, and um, he said to us back in Ultra Street Fighter 4, he's like, look, he's like, who's the number one character? And I think back then it like, was uh, Arcade Edition we were still talking about. So we're like, yeah. And he's like, okay. I don't want it to be that way anymore. We don't want it to be that way, I should say. Mm. Uh, at Capcom, we want the number one character to be ambiguous as we can get it. Mm. That is ideal. So yes, ultimately there should be a number one character. There's going to be, but as ambiguous as you can make that is really ideal for your game because it just means that the balance is up for debate. And that means that there's a, you know, it's fighting games. There's always plenty of stuff to find. But if you have a hands down number one character, it's, it's not ideal. 
Yeah, I agree. And they shouldn't be, well, I guess this is encompassed in what you just said. They shouldn't be such a head and shoulders above everybody else. And it would you say Cammy feels like she's there now or her only real problem is just how easy she is to play? She my my real problem with Cammy is how easy she is to play. It, it's uh, to to get the same exact benefits like with Monat, I have to work 20 times harder. And and the the comparison I use and I'll I'll say it flat out, Cammy players are playing checkers and a lot of other characters are playing chess. And you don't have to you don't have to think that much to play Cami. And you you can rely on your rela- reactions. You can rely on a bunch of other stuff. You don't have to worry about the execution and the problems that most other characters do. Cami is the the biggest sore thumb for how much she gets for how little you have to put in right now. And that to me, as a, a player of games, it's uh, it's upsetting. Again, look if if I'm having to play chess and someone has to play checkers and they can beat me, that sucks. That hurts your value of the game. And not everyone's going to agree with that. But in my opinion, that is very much been the case and it's why I've been okay now with Nikali because they're like look let's reduce his power level down you can still play footsies with him you can still do all this stuff but he's not great he's mm-hmm. good he's good enough and that's fine like Nikali is a really good balance point for an easy character to play he's mid-tier not a problem at all so cool all right, should we jump over onto Rose? You, yes. you the biggest Let's, Rose fan in the world. You got yes. your character after having her delayed for who knows how long. Five She's now in your man. hands. Uh, What's life like now that the uh, the promised land has come? Okay, well, first of all, I've been busy as hell with stuff on the website. We've been preparing our show and other things, and so I've not gotten to play as much as I'd like to. Uh, but I do think that Rose is a great addition to Street Fighter V. Uh, she hit the archetype that I really thought was missing, and, and this is what I hope for her to the be. stupid, um, zony, jerk, frustrating archetype? That's pretty much it, yes. Uh, because mid-range zoners um, don't really have a good presence in this game. There's a handful of them. You've got Guile, you've got Poison, you've got Monat, and you start running out of characters that are that fit that archetype who are good really quickly. Now there's Ryu, right? There's a few others that, that are kind of getting in there. Um, I asked for Rose to be a mid-range zoner kind of sorcerer character, and that's exactly what she is. She's very technical. She puts a lot of crap on screen. Um, I would right now say that she's probably top 10 or top five in terms of how difficult she is to play. Uh, there's a lot for her to explore. I don't, that's not, that's not tier ranking. That's how hard she is to play. She's a technical, technical ability. Yes. Um, that, that is, um, uh, Monat's number one. Uh, if you told me Rose was number two, I would be like, maybe, you know, kind of thing, but I probably have poison or there's someone, someone else up there, but she could be top five. She could be top 10. She is pretty darn hard to play. Um, and now in terms of her tier ranking, though, what you just mentioned, I don't think she'll be below mid-tier. Uh, that's what her basement is, if you ask me. So somewhere in the top 20, top 25 range, uh, as I think is what her basement, in terms of her ceiling, I don't know. I, maybe she could be a top 10 character. Like, I would think more like top 15 is kind of like the highest she's going to get up there. I don't think she's fantastic. And the reason why, and even though we're going to talk about a ton of what Rose's power and other crap is... Mid-range zoning, zoning in this game is still not as efficient as just running, rushing someone down and blowing them up. Mm-hmm. The 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 ability to get a V trigger on someone and make them hold plus frames and then just piece them out with a 50-50 mix-up is still incredibly good in this game. Rose can do that too, but her main strength is not that. Her main strength is mid-range zoning. Mm-hmm. Now we just got into you know uh, V shift and how that's all better and other stuff. So I do agree that that's better. Um, but I don't know if Rose is good at what, or I don't know if Rose is great at what Street Fighter V wants people to be. Yeah. Now, oh, there's so many different directions. I'm going to go with where my heart is right now and um, start with footsies. I think that 
Actually, no, I'm not. I'm going to back it up a little bit. Rose is uh, widely a trap character. A lot of the good stuff that we're seeing thus far has to do with, you know, like getting a soul satellite out, right? Or uh, or, or, or um, putting her uh, soul punish on the screen and such. And then, um, but she has some startup on those things. She's not the fastest character in movement. Um, she, uh, so, so it's like she has to get that stuff going and then thankfully it doesn't last that long a lot of these moves mm -hmm. are are like are, are like really really good but capcom um has has made a clear effort to make sure that like her v trigger 2 only lasts for a few seconds her soul satellites only last for four seconds or or if you hit her right and so she's only got this little window and she has to risk you know when the startup or she has to give up some oki in order to get this get them out things like that and uh capcom like a year or two ago or any other point during street fighter 5's life i think doesn't balance her that way i think they <laughs> They just give her this stuff and it's really good and it's a problem for a year or six and then they eventually they get but they've they've sort of refined their process there. So anyways, Rose has to get the stuff out. I'm thinking with the way the pacing of this game plays now, so much of it is in footsie realm. So can she play effective footsies enough to one, either get knockdowns and get her stuff started or to simply make people afraid enough that they don't get close enough that she can just kind of get something out there and uh, and then start things that way because if she's able to get her BS started via footsies then I think she's a particularly strong character but if she can't get the party going there then I think she has some problems especially with people that just smother her yeah and uh, right off the the bat I've got to say that she probably has the best anti-air game in all of Street Fighter 5 jumps are very very efficient in this game but her uh, her anti-air scarf oh it's insane. It's pretty uh, sexy. It, it, yeah. Now they have different angles. And does EX yep. cover all those angles? Um, EX, I don't know if it covers all the angles. Um, I think you have to get a specific spot with it, but I haven't tested out the, the hitbox on it extensively. Um, it looks like, visually, it looks like it uh, goes very close to what the, the heavy scarf is. So, okay. But the heavy scarf is really good. And that so. seems to be the go-to one. I was using in our little skirmishes, rose skirmishes, uh, I was using medium because that's my go-to uh, DP a lot of the time. Um, and uh, that wasn't working out very well. Uh, I, I think it was like one for six in medium ones, and that's where my muscle memory was. But when I, anytime I got myself to do hard or heavy, uh, it was super effective. I was like, yes, this is a tool I can use. Now, Rose has to make you want to jump, though. What does she mm -hmm. do to make you want to jump? The Soul Spark is pretty darn good in this, uh, her fireball. Um, you were seeing it as well. You toss a lot of projectiles. Um, how did it feel actually to you? I'll turn it right back over to you. Like as a projectile tosser of Ryu, Guile, how mm -hmm. did Rose's fireball feel to you? Yeah, it was it was pretty good. Um, I think mm -hmm. it's like, what, 13 frames of startup, which actually might. Yeah. And I think yeah, it's like 14, like 15 I think. or 14 and reuse is particularly yeah. good. So that's really uh, why does she have that? It's, um, it's mostly on the recovery that it is. So her light soul spark is 14, uh, medium is 20, uh, heavy is 27, and then EX is 14. Yes, I've got the frame data up in front of me. Yes, I keep it open at all points and times as people in the comments it's have pointed out to me. Saver, sure. I literally, I, I never, I, I yeah. Anyway, John, take me away. Get, it, get me out of here. As long as you have more uh, more background art of your wife than Rose, I think we're fine. <laughs> oh, you don't? Weird. Uh, so no, but it seems like a very strong tool. Um, I I so that's me personally. That's what I was feeling. Um, I'm I don't know how to really set up things outside of the fireball, but that's just two things, and it felt good. Uh, as you said, Rose is technical, and. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I imagine, okay, so so her job is to basically set up a minefield that her opponents are going to have to get through. With where we're at right now, this is like the third day she's been available, uh, and we were playing on like the second. Um, you know, people just don't have all eight, let's say there's eight different things that she's going to do to like set that minefield up. I don't know what the exact number is. I was using two, and I was using two without any muscle memory of even how to do the, the right ones, right? And it felt like there was potential. So fast forward a few weeks people now have muscle memory down to setting that minefield up using all however many eight we'll say of her of her moving parts there that can all serve their own purposes and all work to manipulate you and all be buffed by the presence of each other that could go into some pretty scary territory pretty quickly and so uh her ceiling to me feels scarily high and it might be the kind of character where she could crack the top five, and I don't want a zoner in the top five, man. It's just not. You played Goken, not... no, but yeah, but you played a low tier Goken. Yeah, so it was explain Goken that. In no the top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, explain that. Why don't you want as because you are the biggest? I mean, you're not really, but you're the biggest hypocrite ever, John. Like I could see the comments going in there. You played Goken. How would you dare? You know, and and a lot of the people that would I, I hear Chris T's voice in my head. Goken's broken, bro. And, and, you know, Driftwood, who I would play with all the time, would say that kind of a thing. Uh, you know what? You guys felt like he was broken because of how I was using him is what I'm going to say right now. Uh, oh, I no, like but- how you looked into the camera and did that, too. You're like... Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's all uh, right. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, it's fine, but if... if if Rose is running rampant like this, that doesn't sound like a very fun game to play for most people. Is that wrong? I mean, on a certain level, no, it's not. You know, and the same and the same idea. It's like, is it wrong to have a grappler be the best character in the game? Well, technically, no. Any character could be the best. But is that a good look for your game? Is that going to attract as many people as possible to want to play it? You know, you got to got to dance with both of these poles and sort of find a happy medium. And with Rose, if everyone's just getting super frustrated the whole time, then a lot of people are going to leave. And you know what? They're going to react to their more immediate emotions and uh, she's going to make people frustrated. So it's like, don't make that the best thing in your game either. You know, we talked about having the simple cami stuff not being the best. That's, yeah. Should you make the most technical crazy zoner the best either? Maybe not. Uh, So... That's we, not, and we uh, saw that we saw this with Minot. This was season three. Minot. She was m- not the best character in the game, but she was so oppressive. She had oppressive matchups. Uh, that's one of the biggest things I think uh, when we're talking about this stuff is is polarizing characters. Mm-hmm. And some of the most polarizing characters are like Zangief, Dalsum. Minot um, was in season three. I don't think she is anymore. Um, but they have polarizing matchups where a lot of their matchups are like seven three. If you look yeah. at Dalsim and Zangief, that is the history of their matchups. They have their six fours and other stuff and five fives, but they so much they have way more seven threes, eight twos than anyone else in the game traditionally. And when you make those characters really strong, those matchups can get up into the nine one territory or you know the eight two territory. They can get really bad, mm-hmm. and that just means like I, I remember back in Street Fighter Four, shout outs to, to Matchup Fighter Four. Um, I remember like uh, some people say like yeah, the moment I, I see a character you know come up is like you're getting ready to play the match and I'm getting ready to go make a sandwich because that's how involved I want to be with this. Abel versus like, Akuma back in like yeah. like in Super or Vanilla. And, and so I get what you're saying there. I don't know if it's 100% the case with Rose, but it's that is not lost on me. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm actually very happy with where Rose is at because one, I always love playing mid-tier characters. Manat is literally the highest tier character I played in a modern fighting game um, that I can, you know, Rose eventually got there in Ultra Street Fighter 4. She was like top 10, top 15, somewhere around there. Um, mm-hmm. 
she got there, but I, I typically play mid-tier. That's what I enjoy playing because I like having under-the-radar characters. So Rose, like, on every level is doing it for me. Uh, yeah. Nice. Um, so now I, I want to clarify, though. I don't think she's necessarily going to be top five. Right. That's, like, kind of worst-case scenario just a bad idea. what I can tell. A bad mm-hmm. idea for a character like that to be that way, right? Right. So now let me ask you. Is it okay? Do you think it's okay for a character like Cammy to be as good as she is? No, I, I, I see where you're coming from, and uh, that's frustrating too. For you got to balance how fun it is for someone and how easy it is for for an individual, but then like how much of a frustration comes out as the uh, the equal and opposite reaction from that. And uh, you know you you have to you have to tape or you have to like you know have a have a limit to both sides of things uh, but no I, I I'm pretty um, in agreement with you in, in terms of cami and her ease of play and her abilities there that makes a lot of sense and then in modern times where you can update these games so well relatively easily compared to how they used to be it's like well we can we can make these kind of complaints and we can make these kind of asks because you can do it and it's a game as a service so do it um, but and also I'll just say as far as Rose goes uh, my gut reaction is like maybe top 15. So mm-hmm. with what we're seeing so far, but it's very early, and uh, we'll, we'll just see. I know that uh, Luffy's early reaction. Everyone's wondering what he's gonna say about it, um, as like the the rose, the the top rose player of uh, Street Fighter Four and such, winning Evo with her. Uh, he said, "I'm not so sure she's gonna be tournament viable, but you know, yeah. we'll see." So. Yeah. And just to list off some characters that we do think, um, and for myself and John could chime in on this, that like we're very comfortable being high tier in this because we understand that they, they fundamentally really have to earn it. That's a very important thing. And that would be characters like uh, Poison, Karen, Chun-Li, um, Guile, uh, I think Minot, uh, Colleen. Um, those are kind of the characters that, like, you know, I just said, like, you've got to be careful with how good Minot is, but I don't think she's in a terrible spot right now. I realize she's annoying, but, I mean, she's probably a top 10-ish character, but I don't think she's top 5, right? Uh, and some people even have her, like, mid-tier right now, which is bonkers to me. But um, those are some of the characters that I'm personally very comfortable with being, you know, um, top tier or high tier because they're rewarding to play against. Like, you feel like if you got beat, you got beat, right? Like, you know, it's, it's uh, I don't want to win button. So. so 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 we're not so much talking about character types because we were just saying like maybe don't have a zoner be the best in the game and Guile's a zoner, um, yes. so is Manat. But you're saying with where their balance is, regardless of their character archetype, where their balance is, they're at an acceptable place for what they are. That's exactly what I'm saying. Do you agree with that? Do you think that's a pretty fair assessment that there's certain character types? Like, I, I hear very few complaints about Karen. Now, if you played Mika, I heard complaints all day. You know, but for most people, they're like, if I got beat by Karen, she earned it. You know, yes. like, it's 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 rare where a character like Karen has, you know, the hate level of a bison or something. So. Well, and that comes down to the fact that so much of Karen's gameplay is more honest footsies. Now, mm-hmm. I know that that's already going to get a reaction because, like, is she honest? She's got an extra frame to to confirm her tanko, you know, or just frame tanko and whatnots, and then that's a big deal, especially at higher levels with hit confirms and such. And maybe she has too much reward off of that. That's certainly up for debate, and you could talk about it. But at the core of it, she's playing a footsie game that requires her to thread some needles That that is like, well, if I'm going to ask this of a player, then I'm okay giving them this much of a reward and having their ceiling be that high because that's really interesting. Like That's when we sit down to watch competitive Street Fighter. We're not sitting down to see if like if Itazan can flip a coin better than Daigo can. We're sitting there to see who can strategize and use their tools effectively. And if a tool just becomes like, you know, 
there's Cammy or I'm sorry, there's Karen playing a ton of like, you know, specific footsies and, and maybe she's really quick on her feet and stuff, and so she has some advantages, but she's still gotta land that hit, see the hit, confirm into it, and and go from there. Versus if you have like a Cammy player who's gonna do something like, you know, randomly EX dive kick their way in, and that move by itself just takes care of so many things that the player doesn't have to think about. Again, instead of like balancing what's going on on a chessboard, it's relatively easier to balance what's going on on checkers board. And if if that's if you know you're playing chess against checkers, that's not a very entertaining watch. You know, it's kind of entertaining if like you know, the 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 chess player beats the checkers player despite their advantages. But day in and day out, seeing that going uh, and, and experiencing it over and over again, it's like it's not the thing we want to play. And and it's hard to articulate the precise details of why that is, the psychology behind it. But I think just even as I say it on this broad of level, there's something inside of you that goes, yeah, no, that 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 is true. At least part of that is true. And that, I kind of hold on to it as a fairly foundational thing of what I want when I approach a fighting game and what I don't want. I am really looking forward to Demon Curse's comments now in our <laughs> on the website. Demon Curse, dude, I love you. I love how obsessed you are with Cammy. Like, it is just, it's the best thing ever. It's like, you will go to the ends of the earth to defend that character and everything. And it's just, it's like, it, don't ever change. Demon Curse, don't ever change. Blow me up. Like, be just ridiculous when it comes to Cammy. Because if you if you change, I'm going to be disappointed, man. Uh, it's You're the best. So. All right. Well, with that love letter to Demon Curse, there's no other way to wrap up the first video episode of the Event Hubs podcast. So I'm good. I'm content if you are. All right. So you guys, um, please do us a solid uh, like us up on uh, on YouTube. Do the thumbs up here. Um, uh, Comments. Share us and other stuff. Uh, Please subscribe to our channel. You know, up on YouTube. Uh, We're gonna do that. Maybe we'll. we'll, Me and John will do like the Julia like Tekken kind of stuff where we're uh, we're up there doing that. Um, But um, anyway. Uh, Hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed the first show. Uh, Let us know what you think, and we'll be back with you soon. Adios.